I'm Chelsea. And I'm Deidre. And we're giving you a million murders. I'm good. How are you? I'm doing okay. <laughs> good, good. We hope you all are all doing okay. Mm-hmm. Fantastic, fantastic. Yes. Episode one on one. One on one point one. The Vegan Jones. You heard? <laughs> Back. Oh my gosh. I'm. We're so old. Anyway. <sighs> so today's different. Okay. I'm doing wrongfully. I I cannot with myself with that word i feel like it doesn't sound like it's supposed to but anyway wrongfully commit wrongfully committed wrongfully convicted people okay so why do i feel like this episode's just gonna make me mad it's gonna make me mad. i mean it's going to <laughs> it's gonna happen it's gonna happen all right so i just pulled like a few articles mm-hmm. um i was just looking into like wrongfully committed Convicted. Wrongfully convicted, if I could get it right. <laughs> Cases and just like kind of picked out like what stood out the most to me, which I mean, they all obviously deserve. Right. Their spotlight. Because it's whatnot. crazy. Mm-hmm. It's sad. Yeah. It is so sad to have your life wasted. Yeah. Because of. Because people are idiots. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, <laughs> I mean, you're not wrong. I'm not wrong. So the first article I'm going to read, the title of it is The Five Worst Wrongful Conviction Cases in U.S. History. Oh, of course it's us. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they may not all be like very long or anything, but it's just like little. Yeah, so. Um, okay. <laughs> I'm losing my th- my train of thought. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, I told you what the article was called, right? Yes. Okay. Mm. Okay. I was like, for that card to go mm-hmm. When the criminal justice system accuses or convicts a person of a crime they did not commit, it is a horrible miscarriage of justice. Hallelujah. Yeah. These famous wrongful conviction cases are horrific and cause an innocent person and their loved ones immense harm psychologically, financially, and physically. Mm. Most importantly, they may strip the innocence of their freedom, sometimes forever. And here are five situations involving the wrongfully convicted cases that demonstrate the worst of these situations. Okay. So... The Central Park Five. Oh. Mm-hmm. So, the Central Park Jogger case, also known as the Central Park Five case, resulted in the wrongful convictions of five young men of color from underprivileged backgrounds. Shocker, right? Yeah. hmm Their alleged crime was attacking and sexually assaulting a white woman who was jogging in New York City's Central Park. The nature and location of the crime capped catapulted golly gee in k this case into the headlines the media and city leaders placed immense pressure on the judicial system 
to hold someone accountable. The mm-hmm. police soon arrested five young men and charged them with the crime, despite a lack of concrete evidence. Scared and at times threatened, most confessed. One young man later said he never spoke to his father again, as his father told him to confess so the police could help him, even though he told him he was innocent. Wow. Yeah, that's sad. Yeah. <clears throat> I mean, they will interrogate you for hours and hours on end. And then, you know, if you're impressionable, they'll be like, you can go home. You just have to let us know. Like, just tell us. Let us help you. And it's like, I didn't do it, but I've been here for 18 hours and I want to go home. Like, yes, I did it. My God. Like, you know, the mental toll that it takes. Oh, yeah. Because you would think, like, no, if I didn't do it, I'm saying I didn't do it. But, like, okay, can you you say that after 18 hours of sitting in an interrogation room and being, like, you know interrogated i couldn't oof yeah you just never know what is gonna happen yeah well ultimately the scenarios turned to wrongfully convicted cases the boys served sentences of many years before the judicial system finally exonerated them after someone else confessed to the crimes in later years the men spoke of their harrowing ordeals the trauma and abuse they suffered during the process and in prison, and mm. the toll being part of famous wrongful conviction cases still take still takes on them. Ugh. That's sad. Like, I... Yeah, like, they were kids, you know? Like, they were really young, and... Oh, it's just terrible. Like, come on. Like... Do better. The ju- yeah, the judicial system... Needs to do better. For sure. Yeah. The second one, Henry and Leon McCollum. Mm -hmm. Henry McCollum was 19 years old and his brother Leon was 15 when law enforcement wrongfully charged them with a gruesome crime ending the death of an 11-year-old. So the police interrogated them with no lawyer present for hours on end. Mm Mm-hmm. The case never received, I feel like I had a list when I said received, (laughs) the case never received the notary of some others, but many in the legal community consider it one of the worst wrongful conviction cases because it contained apparent police misconduct, it involved two younger brothers, failed to find the true killer of a child at the time. And took three decades of life away from two very young men. Ugh. Three. Yeah. Three decades? Like half your life. I mean, I... I feel like I would just... My mental health... Like if I was convict, wrongly convicted... Wrongly. Wrongfully convicted. Mm-hmm. I feel like I'd go insane. If I was in prison... Yeah. I would just give up... Yeah. I feel like. Oh, and people do. And that's what's so sad mm-hmm. is that, like, you just stop biting because you're just like, they're never going to believe me. Because mental health ain't no joke, yo. <laughs> no, it's not. You know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I just couldn't imagine being in their shoes. No, 30 years. I mean, they're, like, getting out and they're, like, pushing 50 like, what at that would point. You, yeah, like, you're... So, in 2014, after nearly 31 years in prison for something they did not do, 
Yeah. The court exonerated the two brothers based on DNA evidence. And it's like, y'all couldn't have done that? Which, I don't know, when did you say they were... Did it say what year that happened? Uh, It was 31 years from 2014. It didn't say the year, though. Oh, okay, well... So, I mean, I can I can do my little, you know, calculator and just take that. That'd be 1983. Okay. So, crazy. Okay, so I guess DNA wasn't super bumping back then. But I'm like, but they weren't worried about it because they'd already caught their killer. So, they're like, well, we don't need DNA. We've already convicted them. They yeah. did it. And it's like, no, they didn't. Like, what was the evidence? Like, yeah. Ugh. So, <clears throat> Duke University lacrosse team is the next one. Okay. So, the third spot on the troubling list goes to the Duke University lacrosse team. Duke University is the elite private institution known for a student body filled with students who are academically strong, form well-off families, or from well-off families, sorry. Mm-hmm. And great athletes. Yeah. So, in the early 2000s, members of the men's lacrosse team at the university were riding high. hmm The team had been incredibly successful, but the 2006 season was cut short when several Duke players were falsely accused of rape. Oh. Yeah. So, like the Central Park Five, the Duke students were all teens or young men. And the media coverage of the case was massive. The public early on turned against the Duke athletes. Oh. The Duke players were primarily members of well-connected families and all immediately denied the allegations. Mm-hmm. Their families hired strong defense attorneys right away and fought back in the media. Um, while there clearly was evidence that a crime took place in the Central Park Five case, there was no immediate definitive evidence of an assault in the Duke case. As a result of solid legal representation and eventual scrutiny of the case's validity, the prosecutor dropped all charges against the young men, but the players had already been convicted in the court of public opinion, and the loss of their lacrosse season was the least of the impacts of these wrongfully accused cases. The accused suffered ongoing public censor and doubt, emotional trauma, notoriety they did not ask for or deserve, and for some, the inability to continue with their education at Duke. The trauma to them remains. Hmm. So that is the Duke lacrosse team thing. Yeah. And, like, we we had to pause for a minute because we were trying to look into this a little bit and everything, and... Yeah, this seems really controversial because she still claimed that, like, they did it. Yeah. But then there was, like, an attorney that lied and got disbarred for lying or something. And then um, she wrote a memoir and said that she was raped for the first time at age 14. Um, and still And her name was Kimberly... Crystal. M- oh, Crystal Mangum. Yeah. Yeah, Mag Magnum or Mangum or Mag Mang Mangum. Yeah, Mangum. Sorry, um, but then in November of 2013, she was found guilty of second degree murder after she stabbed 
her boyfriend who died 10 days later. Um, and she said that she acted in self-defense fearing that he would kill her. Um, and so she was sentenced to 14 to 18 years in prison. So I don't know. I mean, you know, it's, it's not looking great. Yeah. Mm. You know, so I don't know. Well, um, and that was a lot. That was. Yeah. You that know, was a that, lot for that. That. One, that one sounds like it could, the verdict could still be, be out a little. People definitely feel one way or the other about yeah. that one. So, the next one is wrongful conviction cases in California. Okay. So, with nearly 40 million residents, the most populated state in the United States is California. Mm -hmm. I've always wanted to go to California. Yes. We should do it. Yes. Vacation. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, Caleb wants to go to California. (laughs) It is also a popular state for tourists with wonderful beaches, movie stars, the Golden Gate Bridge, and beautiful cities such as San Diego. However, like all states, all state, <laughs> the insurance. I can't. California has its dark moments, including wrongful conviction cases. Our fourth and fifth famous wrongful conviction cases perpetrated by the U.S. justice system occurred in California. Okay. Okay, so... Kimberly Long is about to speak, and I'm going to read it. Okay. Like I'm her or something, I guess. Mm-hmm. It really does happen. A person can know the victim, find them injured or dead, report the crime, and then become the suspect of a murder investigation. In Kimberly Long's story, things then got even worse. Mm. In 2003... Okay. So, this is Kimberly's story, okay? Okay. So, was Kimberly the one saying that? Yeah, that was. this is what Kimberly's saying. Kimberly is saying. Okay, so she's like, yeah, like, it could happen to anybody, like, okay. Like, you can not, like, you can walk up on a friend or something, and then you're there, you gotta call it in, and then you're, like, automatically a suspect. Okay. So, now we're jumping. It's... In 2003, and Kimberly arrived home and discovered her boyfriend bludgeoned to death in the living room of the home they shared. Oh, God. Isn't that crazy? It's scary. Mm-hmm. Because it's like you walk in and you see that, you're like, okay. Like, I don't know. What what yeah. would you do in that situation? Would you be like, oh, my God, you know, get help, get help? Or would you be like, uh-uh, and, like, leave because you're like, what if they're still in here? And then that makes it kind of suspicious. Like, why didn't you call 911 immediately? Well, I'm trying to make sure I'm good. Yeah, I'm trying to make sure I don't get got it. So I can get help. I think... I don't know. That'd be hard. Like, you would would think that you would... I don't know. I feel like... I'd be scared. I feel like I'd run. Or would you, like, see your dead spouse, partner on the floor and run to them and, like, be heartbroken? Yeah. Like, like, what would you do? Would you run? Would you... Because I feel like as much as I want to say I would stop where I was, walk back out, and say my boyfriend's dead. Because some people have been able to do that. Yeah, be like, I don't know if the killer's still in the house. Keep that smartness 
intact. Yeah. As far as like instinct, but mm, I don't know. I don't either. But I mean, then it's also like someone you love that's down yeah. on the floor. So, so you're you don't know. You would think that's what you would do. Your immediate reaction would be run to them. Yeah. But then it's like, would you though? I don't know. Like, I don't know. I don't want to know. I don't want to know. But I definitely do not want to know that. No. So she immediately called 911. Okay. Then the police charged her with the crime. Oh. She pleaded that the police were wrongfully accusing her. The police did not believe her. They had a witness putting her at the scene. They said, anyway. And the case went to California court. So, the first jury hung and nine jurors were in favor of acquittal. Okay. The second jury, after allowed a break from deliberations, returned a guilty verdict. Okay. So, fast forward 11 years. This is... 2013, 14 now, because this was in 2003. Mm-hmm. So fast forward 11 years. The justice system found that testimony from the prosecution's star witness was unreliable. And thanks to forensic pathology evidence. Yes. The correction system released her from prison after a wrongful conviction. Kimberly lost her partner in a decade of her life before justice was served. So, thank goodness for forensic pathology, but man, couldn't it have been sooner? Yeah, like 10 years. And, like, she called the police, and I know that happens a lot, but, like, y'all just didn't even look into anything else? Just, I mean, you know, yeah, like like you said, it happens a lot, but what what happened to... To innocent until proven, proven guilty. guilty. I don't Where know. Where at? Where, Where at though? Because I, I don't see seen nothing. No. Do they Not. tell us who killed him? No, it doesn't. Okay. All right, y'all. I kind of try to look real quick, but we're on a time crunch, and I couldn't really yeah, find anything. Like, did it? But there was DNA evidence. Is that what I said? It was the forensic, wasn't it? Yeah, the forensic pathologist. But they found like DNA at the crime scene, and then there apparently there was like an ex girlfriend who. Kind of was, you know, he had to get like a restraining order on her. But yeah. it doesn't say if they ever tried to test her DNA or anything. So yeah, I don't know. But, but I don't think, ugh. I don't think they've got who done it. But I need to know. But yeah. Okay. So that's going to be the end of this one. I'm going to finish the article on part two. Okay. And throw some other ones in there that's interesting. Okay. But yeah, those were good. I like those. Those were. I did too. I did too. Crazy. But yeah. Yes, 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 yes. So, ladies and gentlemen, if you have any questions, comments, concerns, you can email us at a million murders at gmail.com. And you can go to our Instagram at a million murders. Look at the people, places, things, or just the fun artwork and like it if you'd like. Mm-hmm. So go follow us. And then you can follow us on our Facebook page. And group, um, A Million Murders, to find out if we're running late on an episode, if we're doing a bonus for an episode. Because we probably are. Yeah, you know, anything like that. Any of that kind of stuff. Um, And, yeah. Well, thank you all for tuning in. And we hope you come back for A A Million Million More. More. Bye. Bye.